This is Bibliovile, the terrible book exchange podcast where a wife and her husband get each other the worst books they can find. For this episode of Bibliovile, I read The Night Clock by Paul Malloy, and Mick read Shelley Lawrenston's Hot and Badgered. Welcome to Bibliovile. We are back finally after a, 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 a hot minute off. I feel like we had a good excuse for that hot minute off, though, given that we were out of the country for two weeks. That Yeah, but I mean, our fan would really just want us to uh, record constantly, I'm sure. I know. I bet you are all just devastated, yeah, all both three of you. Of yeah. You. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we were in Europe for a vacation that lasted two weeks. And here's the thing about a two week long vacation. That's kind of too long of a vacation. It stops being vacationly after a while. It was really fun, though. We were in very Spain fun. and Germany for two weeks with my family. We saw a lot of really cool places. We drank a lot of really good beer and sangria. Yeah, it was great. A lot of it. A lot of it. And now we're going to spend the next couple weeks going to the gym a bunch. Sometimes, usually. <laughs> Trying or saying we're going to. Um, we are, but we are back home in Iowa, and in fact, we are. We have a uh, a lot to talk about about being back home. We're recording this in a new place, so I hope it doesn't uh, uh, sound too bad. We're recording this on top of our couch because we have that now. It, to- it only took two months from moving uh, into our new house to get a couch, but we got it. So exciting! And it's it was, very comfy. It's quite comfy, and it was delivered. Uh, the expectation or the estimate of the date was late afternoon. To early evening. So thank you, delivery people, for making me stay at home from around 2 p.m. And then it finally got there around 7.30. Yeah. The other thing that was very frustrating about said couch delivery was that when we bought it, they were like, oh, it will be delivered to you within three to six weeks. And so we were like, all right, that's not too bad. Like, that makes sense. We were hoping it would obviously be more towards the three-week time frame. And then it just kept not coming. So I called, and they were like, oh, it'll be there in a couple weeks. So I was like, okay, so that's about six weeks from when we bought it. That's fine. That's what they told us. And then it wound up being just over two months. Yeah, so our house actually looks like a house now. It's very exciting. It has a couch, and then we can move the other furniture around the couch instead of several different pieces just kind of sitting in the living room. And the other nice thing is that another new addition to our home is the presence of a dog bed next to the couch, which will be filled tomorrow. With what? With Brooks or Finn. Oh, a dog. A dog. Nice. Yeah, we adopted a dog. Uh, We got to prove someone trusts us to take care of a living thing. So that's good, I guess. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. He's a four-year-old, as my dad would describe him, scroungy old mutt. Um, He's very cute. He has a gigantic head with a really nice little divot in between his eyes that I just want to put my face in. Yeah. He's a good boy. So, and I hope so. Baby fat face. In future episodes, you may hear the clicking and clacking of dog paws or something. I don't know what he's going to be up to uh, while recording, but this is our last just us recording. You know, it's very exciting. Very exciting. And I'm very happy about the books that we read this time around. Oh, I'm very excited. You're Um, excited about my book, too? Yes. I cannot hardly remember why I picked you at the night clock, because it looks terrible. And it has a bunch of uh, uh, capitalizations on the back of it. It does have a lot of capitalizations on the back. I picked this out for you like a month ago, so... 
Some of the things that are capitalized on the back of this book are dark time. There we go. That's why I picked it. Night clock, firmament surgeons, and autoscopes. Ah, yes. Autoscopes. Autoscopes. No more of that custom scopes. They're automatic. So do you remember, I think it was around this time last year, maybe it was over over the winter, but you bought a book at Prairie Lights, which is one of our favorite bookstores in town, called The Hike by Drew McGarry. Yes. McGarry? McGarry? McGarry. Um, and it was a really good book. It was very weird. I also read it. Um, super quick read, but like... I don't know. It was just very like it's weird. It was a weird book. Like weird things happened. I, there's a word for it that I'm searching for that I can't absurd. think of right now. Kind of absurd, very abstract. Mm. And there were parts of this book, The Night Clock by Paul Malloy, where I felt like that was the vibe he was going for, but he never actually pulled it off. And so instead of being like, oh, this is like, weird and abstract and kind of kooky but it's really cool this was just like what the hell is happening (laughs) and what are these words that you're trying to use are you going to read the back of the book or should i oh you can read it if you want Uh, to this is from the back of the book and i love the just gigantic step that this sentence takes this is the first thing phil Trevina. Trevina. Phil Trevina's boss is an idiot. His daughter is running wild, and his patients are killing themselves. One of these things is not like the others. (laughs) Oh, man, life, I tell you what. Yeah, so this book... I'm sure it handled it very sensitively. Oh, very sensitively. Um, This book, in probably the first quarter of the book, there are about 15 suicides. Yikes. Handled with all of the sensitivity of a blunt axe. Um, It's like, it's just really weird. And it's so jarring. And I think that's a style that some authors go for, like things happening seemingly out of the blue. But the way that it's written, it just doesn't work here because... The, like, setup to provide context for these jarring incidents is written weirdly and (laughs) badly. So a lot of this is just going to be me reading some paragraphs to try to give you examples of the weird writing in this book. There's even some, like, and it doesn't happen until we get closer to the end, but there's some words that are used in here that don't really make sense and don't really mean what I think the author thinks they mean. So for an example, this is chapter two. Across the floor of the play area, she pushes the wheeled wedge of the V-Tech baby walker. Uh, it's in present tense? Yeah. Gross. It looks like she's been left to play in a frame of a cartoon. The colors are so bright and unusual. The walker has a voice. It sings in an accent that is surprisingly highborn, like a throwback to Watch with Mother. I have no idea what a name that means. She runs in her socks, tiptoe, delicate. A father in matalan clothes with a blue chin ponders his son engulfed in the ball pit, nourished by the new adolescence of divorce, the sulks, the drink, the self. She's sitting on the floor playing with a Sorry, drum. I fell asleep. The carpet tiles are a hideous stormy blue, a laboratory color concocted to suggest good cheer by scientists with antisocial personalities. She looks like a chimney thrown into relief against a thundercloud. She waves at him. He doesn't wave back. Instead, he reaches into the sports bag at the side of his chair. He stands, a gun in his hand, walks toward the play area, and starts shooting. Uh, uh, 
So cheerful read. Very cheerful read. Not boring. Um, all of the characters that either commit suicide or mass homicides are clients of Phil Trevina, who is a like a psychologist and a therapist. Um, and he works for the state essentially, so um, he's like publicly funded. And so he gets put Obamacare, on I'll tell you administratively. Well, this is set in the UK. The the NHS, I'll tell you what. <laughs> um, so he gets put on leave because his boss thinks that he's not doing a good job because his well, patients keep committing suicide. I mean. Which is fair. But it turns out that all of his patients are infected by uh, autoscopes who are trying to take control of dark time. And take over the night clock. Oh, yeah. I hate it when that happens and your boss just won't believe you when the autoscopes. I know. It's when autoscopes do. When bosses are just such huge idiots. It's like, why won't you believe me about autoscopes doing? Why don't you understand the autoscopes? So we get to page 117 before these concepts are actually introduced. Yay. So we just go through the first almost half of the book not understanding like what is the actual plot that's happening it's just a bunch of weird things and we bounce around from character to character that we never return to then a man named daniel is trying to explain daniel. to us daniel my brother you can control dark time <laughs> do you still feel our scopes and so daniel says or no someone tells daniel what is the true purpose of dreams I believe they were given to us when we were created as a fulfillment of God's ultimate gift of life. We were created of matter to remain earthbound, capitalized, however perfect, however rich and varied that existence may have, have been. been. Question mark. What if he wanted to give us even more, an experience beyond essential laws and mathematics? Here, have it all. Here you can fly, run like a deer, create for yourselves beasts and vistas and wonders, sleep, rest. Go beyond and know what it is to be like gods yourselves. Perchance to dream. And that dark time, that flux above the linear, an even Ugh. bigger reality for us this to sounds explore. sounds like a person who's really into crystals. Truly limitless and eternal. A different substance of time flowing in all directions, forever replenishing an infinite, a taste of heaven before the recreation of all things. This is real time, QB. That's supposed to be our explanation to what's happening. That was just a bunch of words that don't mean anything. Yeah. This is real time cube. You don't know what time cube is. I don't know what time cube is, but I did like your thought of like this is written by people who are really into crystal healing Mm because that's what it feels like. The Fibonacci sequences are really aligning. Exactly. Um, Then we find out the... And and Phil finds out as well. I just had to double check his first name on the back (laughs) of the book. Younga Munga. That his patients didn't actually kill themselves. They were possessed by autoscopes. And so it's not actually his fault. Oh, good. Um, and then we find out that what. one of those autoscopes is inside Phil. He's possessing Phil. His name is Cade, and he is possessing Phil. We don't really resolve that at all. It just apparently just stops happening. So what's at a, some point? What is an autoscope like a person or an alien? Um, it's like a being, an ephemeral being. And the the people that are in opposition to the autoscopes are called the firmament surgeons, and they control dark time. Oh yeah, I'm sorry I even asked. Yeah, I mean, really, that should have been follows. obvious to you. There's also 
a creature named Dr. Natus who lives in a jar. No one really understands or explains what he is, but one of the firmament surgeons named Daniel thinks that Daniel. his power comes from Dr. Natus. Dr. Natus, Dr. Natus, Dr. Natus, Dr. Natus. Basically a piece of mold that floats in blue liquid in this jar. Oh man, this is like if Doctor Who was new agey instead of just bad. Yeah, it's like I just don't get why half of the stuff is actually wibbly Indian. wobbly dark timey wimey stuff. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Is that from Doctor Who? Mm -hmm. Oh, gross. I watched approximately two episodes of Doctor Who and could not get into it. More like Doctor Why even. Doctor What? <laughs> I'll do you one better. Um, there's also a <laughs> character named Chloe mm. who is living in a separate physical plane referred to as a quay. And she is exploring with the help of a dog named Bix. And she is actually, she hasn't been born yet. <sighs> And so the quay that she's living in is actually inside her mother's womb, and she's supposed to be, like, gathering the knowledge to defeat the autoscopes in womb before she's born. But the reason that I bring this up is because here is an example of some dialogue between Chloe and the dog. And do you know how sometimes... So the dog it, talks. The dog talks. You know how... That's the least weird thing about this book. <laughs> you know how sometimes we will point out in bibliophile books that the dialogue doesn't seem to have anything to do with each other? Yeah. Like one person will say something and their response seems like it's a response from a completely different conversation. Yes. That's what all of the dialogue in this book sounds like. Great. Not on my watch, Chloe said. The dog laughed and licked her face. Really? Chloe said, standing up, laughing herself and wiping her cheek. Bix dipped his head. It's what we do, he said. Well, you can pack it in, Chloe said. I can't promise, Bix said. Good to go, Chloe said. What? <laughs> what? I mean, to be fair, if they were actually talking about the plot, I don't think it would make any more sense, so. But it's like, first of all, what was the purpose of including that exchange in the book? And second of all, what? Yeah, I didn't ask you to promise. Um, the, the leader of the autoscopes is referred to as the devil in dreams. And this is some more, and I'm putting this in air quotes, explanation of the big plot. That's some Tom Waits ass song right there. The devil in dreams was implacably opposed to the keepers of the quays. The keepers were called firmament surgeons, and they had been created as engineers to keep the mechanisms of creation running against the entropy arising from the fall of man. It was a great task, and one which would be superseded at the recreation, but for now, while eternal events took their course and wars raged on heaven and on earth, the firmament surgeons worked and fought and wove their quays and upheld the dreams of man. So it's like, what if the golden compass was trash? Kind of? Yeah. Except also was set in the world of Drew McGarry's The Hike. It's like Philip Pushman. <laughs> The, the instead of the subtle knife, it's like the incomprehensible knife. Kind of. And there's there's sort of a resolution. Like they defeat the devil in dreams, but some of the autoscopes still exist. So basically it's like we won this battle, but there will be another one later. Do they literally fight a, a being? 
They do literally fight a being. And their army is created by a man who is a glass blower. Okay. And he creates their army from glass. That's not a very good army. No. I don't... I couldn't really tell you a succinct summary of the plotline of this book. Because oh. there isn't one to be had. Yeah. I mean, mine either. But yours was at least fun, right? <laughs> yeah. I... So when I found that book for you, are we I, done with yours? Oh, we're done with mine. I'm I've been done with mine for a bit. <laughs> I started. I read a little over half of that book on the way to. Um, we flew out for a trip from Chicago, and on our way from Iowa City to Chicago, I read a little over half of that book, and then it sat in my car for two weeks because I didn't want to bring a library book overseas with me, and so. I took a two-week break and then started reading it again when I was, like, 99% asleep on the way home from Chicago and then finished it the next day. And I don't think I would have understood it any better even if I had read it all at once. Like, at first I was like, oh, maybe I don't understand what the hell is going on because of the two-week break. And then I went back and reread parts of the first half and I was like, nope. So don't get it. <laughs> so I'm real done with this book. But your book, Hot and Badgered by yeah. Shelley Lawrenston. Yeah. I, so I we were at the library and our library does this like recently checked out thing. Where, recently like, returned. Yeah, recently returned um, section where like if there are books that others have, as you might assume, recently checked out certain books, you can pick them up like oh someone else liked this maybe i'll like it too and they're always like facing cover out rather than just the spines which is very useful for bibliophile purposes because we judge we judge books by their cover i've wow i think we just invented an aphorism what we should start using that Mm -hmm. um so i had a different book picked out that i saw immediately and i was like this is gonna be the fastest i've ever picked out a book for this show and then i saw this one and I, it has a a very bronzed and muscular man on the cover. In profile. In profile with a bunch of what look like quills behind him. It's grizzly fur. Is it grizzly fur or is it yeah. like badger quills? Badgers don't have quills. They have fur. Oh. It's badger fur then, not grizzly fur. I doubt it because that's him. That's the um, grizzly. Okay. But fur behind him. And I said, well, this is going to be a shifter book and also probably a sex book and also probably real weird. And it is from the Honey Badgers series. So I went ahead and snagged that. And it wasn't until we got home that I realized we have seen, we have read this author before. Supposed to. Shelly, well, I read this author before. Mick was supposed to. When we did, I think the second couples, maybe the first couples exchange. Episode four, I think, or something like that. With Matt and Meg. Meg had gotten a Shelly Lawrenston book called... Bear Meets Girl. Bear Meets Girl. When she was in the hospital, which I found very funny. Um, not that she was in the hospital, but that someone <laughs> gave her this book after recovering from surgery. Um, and it was by the same author. And Mick couldn't read more than about 20 pages of it. That was the one about, like, Sella Bare Knuckles Malone. Mm-hmm. Marcella Sella Bare Knuckles. And it was real dumb. And we couldn't figure out if the shifters actually shifted because they never did in that book. And so I realized that this was the same author and became instantly excited to find out if there's any overlap. Is this all in the same extended universe? Yes. Marcella <gasps> Bare Knuckles Malone and her 
boyfriend. Oh my gosh. Crush. Crush the polar bear. Crush makes a very short appearance. Marcella makes an extended appearance. Do um, they actually shift? Yes. <gasps> I'll, Do we I'll, get to see it? I'll get book. to okay, it. Okay, um, okay. Tell me about Hot and Badgered. So, Hot and Badgered, huh? Bear Meets Girl was trash and terrible, and I could not read more than, like, 40 pages of it before I just gave up. Right. And because what what was the structure of Bear Meets Girl that was so trash? It was in, like, split screen. And it, it wasn't in split screen like some books where every other chapter will go back and forth between the two main characters. It was, like, every third paragraph. So in one... Like two page spread, you would go back and forth multiple times between both characters, and it wasn't like two people experiencing the same situation. It was like they're in two different places and doing like two different things. Boring things, like one of them was like talking to his dog, and the other was blow drying her hair. Yeah, so that's Shelley Lawrence in Bear Meets Girl. Yeah, I am so proud of Shelley Lawrence because she has gotten so much better. Susan, look me in the eyes right now. Other than repeating my, like, classical, like, the books I love that I've read this year, this is my favorite new book I have read this year. You're kidding me. Absolutely not. It is amazing. I loved it so much. This book kicks so much ass. Oh, my God. It's so incredibly bonkers and amazing. It is just, like, I can't. You have to read this book. I'm serious. Okay. I, it is insane and so much fun that the book opens as these books often do with like, oh, the male the male lead is just sort of existing. Yeah. And then the female lead drops into his life in some way. Yeah. Very dramatically and very yes. suddenly. Well, indeed, because uh, Berg, Berg Dunn is our grizzly bear male. Berg Dunn. Yes. Is our grizzly bear male character. And what an awesome fucking name Berg Dunn is. Berg is German for mountain. And he's this like six foot 11 huge dude. Oh my god. Because he's a grizzly bear shifter. And he is uh, doing, he's like a bodyguard for this piano player. And the piano player is in Italy. And all of a sudden, uh, our main uh, female character, Charlie McKilligan. Okay, also Charlie McKilligan. Uh, drops off of the balcony from the floor above onto his balcony, which I know doesn't make a lot of sense because balconies are stacked on top of each other, yeah. not staggered. But she does, and she's naked uh, because she has just been woken up out of a, a, a drunken stupor and sleep uh, by assassins sent to kill her for some reason. <laughs> what? Um, we don't find out who the assassins are for like, 200 more pages oh no but she she drops down and is running away and he he's like oh my god look at this really hot woman who just dropped down and it's pretty funny because throughout the i will get to the characters but the characters in this book are so good like they are consistent and deep and dimensional it's uh, amazing and one of charlie's things is that she is not like shy or embarrassed about nudity okay and so she doesn't even like think of it as a thing that she's naked in front of this huge dude and so he's a bodyguard and a strange woman is just dropped on his balcony he thinks that she wants to sleep with the piano guy or whatever okay so he pushes the piano guy into the bathroom and then is like hey lady what's going on and she's trying to get away um and then the assassins rappel down from the uh balcony and burst in berg's door and this <laughs> The very first thing she does, the first kill of the book, of which there are many, is she like lengthens her fingernails in the claws and cuts the rope, and so a guy falls to it. One of the assassins oh, falls shit. off the balcony. The second kill is Berg gets shot a couple times, uh, like in the chest. 
but he's a bear and a shifter so like you know that like oh don't have a don't try and shoot a bear it'll just make it mad yeah right? it won't hurt at all so he gets mad and so the second kill of this book is him grasping one of the guy's heads in his hands <gasps> and popping it like a zit is how it is written and then he gets brains oh all over my himself god <laughs> he gets brains wait all this over is himself. within like the first yes couple pages oh i have to read you i have to have you read a quote uh page one oh, no. this quote uh it happens and it just tells you exactly what kind of book we're going to be in okay page one the middle one the middle was, sister yeah the middle one was full honey badger like her idiot father and her criminal criminal mother who was doing hard time in a bulgarian prison after a jewelry heist went bad oh That's my god page one like two two paragraphs down so basically that's the beginning, and we are off to a running start with brains all over herself. Bird gives Charlie uh, one of his t-shirts, and so she's Donald Ducking it uh, on her way through the streets of uh, Rome, I think, or some Italian town. Oh and she's God. running away, and there's a couple different assassins that are trying to close the the, uh, the net, and one of them gets the drop on her, and he's about to shoot her, and then all of a sudden the dude gets run over by a Lambo, and inside Jeez. that Lambo is Charlie's half-sister, Max. Uh, Max is full honey badger. She's the one with the the idiot mother and the criminals and everything uh-huh. they're all half sisters max charlie and stevie charlie's the oldest okay. max is the middle stevie is the youngest and a member of fleetwood mac yes yeah, stevie stevie mckilligan um charlie is half honey badger half wolf oh. max is full honey badger and stevie is half honey badger half tiger and so in these books there's like the the harry potter kind of like oh we're full-blooded wolves yeah. or whatever you know and the hybrids have like these weird things about them. They don't, they, their DNA, since it's weird, it gets all these sorts of different anomalies. So, for ex- example, all shifters heal very quickly, but yep. Charlie's is like ridiculous, where she gets shot in the back a couple times and it goes through like the entire stage of healing very quickly, like within a couple hours. Uh, where she's like, no, don't even bother taking the bullets out because it gets like the infection all around the bullet like all the white blood cells show up it starts leaking all this pus and gross stuff and then it just pushes the bullet out and then Ugh. it like scabs over and heals and they even the shifters are like i have never seen that before and so it's pretty funny that even in this like anomaly it's still super gross yeah. and there's like pus and everything but anyway um oh, i don't know if i should tell you this but i uh, okay i will Basically, the plot of this book, I can't even go into it too far, is that Stevie McKilligan, the youngest one, is possibly the smartest person in the world. Okay. And so she is hunted down by Peruvian drug lords to make meth and serve, <laughs> um, like, all these different places, and she can make bombs and drugs and whatever she sets her mind to. She's also a musical protege. Or protege. Prodigy. Prodigy. Thank you. I was thinking of a person that you yep. were, Yeah. Protege and prodigy. Yes. Yeah. Anyway. Um, and so she's being hunted down and her sisters, they're a very tight knit group because they are bound together by their idiot dad, who's like this terrible con man. It's really funny. Like he's really bad at it, oh my gosh. but he won't stop trying to con people. And so they, they are bound together and they're, they grew up in a wolf household. And so they, they are ignorant of like actual shifter society cause they've been hidden away. But anyway, so their dad has stolen like 30 million, uh, British pounds from their Irish mob or Scottish mob, whichever, uh, uncle, part of the McKilligan family, must be Scottish then. Okay. Uh, and so that mob wants to capture the daughters and use them as leverage to get to the dad, and they're all like, this is ridiculous, our dad doesn't care about us. Yeah. He one time sold Stevie into child labor, right? Like these sorts yeah. of things. 
And so when the the Scottish mob shows up with like its own mercenaries, full human mercenaries, the the daughters go in and uh, Stevie has this panic disorder. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when she goes into panic mode, she shifts. Uh, it's pretty funny. It's like uh, a sci-fi movie that's running out of budget. She like dives behind a table to shift so we can't see it. But uh, oh, she shifts dear. and she turns out to be a 20 foot tall honey badger with tiger stripes. Oh, my God. <laughs> like everyone else basically transforms into their animal Maybe a little bit bigger for like the smaller ones, but she Why is, is like she twenty feet. Tall? Yes, she is a honey badger that is taller than the grizzly bears and polar bears in this oh book. Oh my god! And so it's like she is just this murdering machine. Max is like quasi psychopathic and very very good at killing people, uh, whereas Charlie is team mom, basically, okay. and the re- reliable one. And so uh, Stevie is just like crawling on the ceiling, like her powers are weird and she's just crawling all over the place as this gigantic movie monster like picking people up in her jaws and shaking them until they're dead and max is going around while all the soldiers are trying to kill stevie in honey badger form she's just like slitting their throats and going it's like this holy shit what the hell is going on like the entire thing is amazing uh charlie can't shift but she can't she can't for some reason she's never been able to they're, Probably because she's half honey badger and half yeah bear wolf wolf um, like what would that even look like? Well, a twenty foot tall honey badger with tiger stripes, I guess. Um, so they're being hunted, and Berg uh, and his sister Britta and brother Dag. Mm-hmm. So Dag Dunn, Britta Dunn, and Berg Dunn are all triplets, triplet uh, uh, grizzly bears, and so he is this genuine meathead. Uh, wants to do right by everyone, like, just trying to help and, like, just kind of putting his head down and wading through the issues in front of him until he gets to what he wants. It's great. It's such a great, dumb... He's, like, a dumb dude, but it's not played for laughs. It's just who he is. It's just kind of, like, a dumb, genuine meathead. And it's, like, this grizzly bear. And uh, so he invites the girls into his bear neighborhood in Queens, And when they show up, they're like, you brought honey badgers to a bear? Because honey badgers are notorious in the shifter community for being insane. Just like honey badgers in real life. Oh, the honey badgers are just crazy. The honey badger has been referred to by the Guinness Book of World Records as the most fearless animal in all of the animal kingdom. It really doesn't give a shit. If it's hungry, it's hungry. Ew, what's that in its mouth? Anyway. Uh, so honey badgers show up to this bear thing and they're like, why did you bring honey badgers? And then someone straight up just goes, my hives and starts running off because <laughs> they all grow hives to get the honey because <laughs> they're bears and they love honey. And then the honey badger sisters are always like oh, no. dipping into these hives and eating all the stuff. And it's great. Except for Charlie. So. My hives. Yeah. And then runs off screen. Um. I really want to... There's like 80,000 things I want to talk about in this book. I'll talk about the the characters first. So Berg, like I talked about, is already this like dumb meathead. Yeah. His, his brother Dag is an even dumber meathead. And then his sister Britta is like this put-upon mother. Because in, you know, in bears, it's all about like the mother, mother grizzly. Bear, yeah, mama bear. Yeah. yeah. And so... All of the toughest people in the bear communities are the women because yeah. it's mama grizzlies and like you never want to F with yeah. the mama grizzly. And so she's like no nonsense and 
uh, like hockey mom and oh the hockey team comes back in this one. Yeah, the very funny thing that I was reading, uh, I was loving when I was reading this about like shooting down helicopters, which happens, mm-hmm. and murdering a bunch of people in the room. I was like, wasn't the last book about hockey? Like, yeah, this book was not a romance book. Like Dag and uh, Charlie fall in love, and they eventually do it a couple times, but it's more like just an action book, an action insanity book. And there's a lot of downtime, which is fun because then it makes the holy shit moments even holy shittier. Yeah. But Berg is a genuine meathead. Dag is even dumber. Charlie, uh, I'll get back to, Max is this, like, psychopath that... Did you ever have those girls in high school or girls that you knew anywhere else where it's like, I'm going to murder this person and I'm going to kill them? And you're like, chill out. But there's no weight behind that stuff. There's a little bit more weight behind it with Max. But she's still yeah, because like, she can transform yeah. into a twenty foot. No, that she's just a regular honey badger. That's Stevie. That's the oh, that's Stevie. Okay. Max uses like knives and stuff. And oh, good, that makes it better. Yeah. Um, and so she still remains, uh, stays charming and everything. One time she goes, if uh, they're talking to some underworld contacts and about no, they're talking to their aunt. I'm sorry, I'm all over the place, but that's this okay. book is insane. They're talking to their aunt about doing security on a wedding, which turns out to be like the last third of the book. About their cousin is getting married and they want everything to go fine. And Charlie is such a fixer that they're going to hire Charlie to do it. And Max is like, well, do you just want me to kill the the possible boyfriend of this woman? And she's like, no, 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 no. If I wanted somebody killed, I would have only talked to Max. And Max goes, oh, that's sweet. <laughs> well, thanks for thinking of me. Stevie is pretty great where she is this holier, like above it all kind of genius. Yeah. Uh Never remembers anybody that she doesn't feel is important, just like edits it out of her brain, but has this panic disorder. But even the panic disorder doesn't come across super great through text. It is pretty realistic in that it's like specific yeah. where she gets really panicky in one-on-one situations or small group situations. And then they go into big groups and she's like, fine. Yeah. Because she feels like there's so many people around. I yeah. don't have to worry about anything. And she's not like, she talks about, I have a panic disorder. I'm not bipolar or yeah. like that. And then she, if she takes her meds, she gets really talky and goes on, like, these big monologues. It's great. Charlie, the oldest sister, might be my favorite character in all of fiction. <laughs> oh, my God. It might be because I married her. You uh, are Charlie Kill- McKilligan. Except uh, for the, the murdering and everything. She is, like, team mom, like, needs to be doing something or yeah. she will be even more anxious that she's not doing anything. Uh, doesn't delegate responsibility because she just finds it easier to do it herself and be overwhelmed I'm than it is to explain. I'm feeling a little called out right now. It is seriously, I'm like, this is just Susan. Like That's hysterical. If you were, she just like gets shit done yeah. and blasts through obstacles and so that's why she's hired. But she's also super duper funny. Uh, this is at the very end, she's talking to the wedding party from that wedding she uh, went to. This is a different uh, event than the last one you read. But I need you to read this one. This is what she screams to the, the wedding party on the day of the wedding. Just read it. Which of you crazy cunts was involved in the jewelry heist last night? <laughs> she just busts in and says that like jovially. Not even like accusatorily. Just like, what up? I found this. Oh and it, it is God. like the cellar door of, of that book. It is so much fun. Uh... So she's great. I love her so much. She gets a, a bunch of good one-liners, and uh, uh, she's naked a lot, which doesn't hurt. Um, although it takes about 320 – that's not Super Susan, but it takes around 300 pages before they actually get uh, to Bonin, mm-hmm. and the Bonin's pretty good. Nice. Uh, I'll get to the, the Bonin in a hot second. But another thing – well, since we're talking about it, I'll do it now. 
So this is the second time that they bone. This is Berg and Charlie boning. Uh, his Charlie, no matter what was going on, she was always thinking about others because she asked if he's okay. It was her way. He didn't think she knew any other. He wanted to tell her that he loved her, but it was too soon. The big shifter world was still kind of foreign to her, still an oddity. So he began to slowly fuck her. <laughs> um, so the, the big shifter world is, is foreign to them, but it's it's very fun for us because... Every shifter type, be- like, behaves a little bit like their animal. animal. Yeah. Which, I mean, isn't anything new, but the way that these come across in this book is creative and new. Like, there's a weasel shifter who just won't leave people alone, even when it's <laughs> obvious he's not wanted. Like, he just wants to be included in everything. All the honey badgers are just, like, straight up insane and don't care. Like, honey badger don't care. Honey badger don't give a shit. It just takes what it wants. The cat shifters are, like, holier than thou. Yeah. And, um... Berg is trying to figure out how he's going to romance Charlie and Stevie's running joke advice is just stray dog it. Stray dog in it. She'll like say a bunch. Stray dog it. Where <laughs> the stray dog just comes and lives with you and as long as it's just around, you don't necessarily have to ever promise it anything. Yeah. But then you can't imagine life without it. Yeah. Just keep stray dogging it. And so that's like her running joke advice to him. It's great. Um, and the bears are absolutely fantastic. Uh, Charlie reached under the coffee table and grabbed the forty-five Max had holstered under there, putting around in the chamber. Berg's, whoa, barely registered before she went through the house, uh, weapon clasped in both hands, her elbows at her, at her sides. She stopped a few feet from the kitchen and glanced back at Berg. What are those sounds? He walked over the swinging door and pushed it open. With the gun still in front of her, Charlie moved closer but immediately lowered the weapon when she saw a group of what she assumed were her neighbors sitting at her kitchen table or leaning against the counter and devouring her food. <laughs> I see your mistake, Berg explained, moving into the kitchen. The neighbors barely noticed him. You left the window open. We smelled this a block away, a sow said between bites of lemon cookies. Did Tiny give you the right garbage cans? A male bear asked, remnants of a raspberry danish in the corner of his mouth. So she, (laughs) to deal with stress, she bakes. And so she, like, if she gets super stressed out, will turn out just, like, an entire bakery worth of baked goods by the time she's done. And eventually the bears start giving her lists. Like, next time you're stressed out, could you make these for me, please? And she baked with the windows open, so all the bears just kind of, like, ambled inside. (laughs) Like, they didn't rush. They didn't break and enter. They just sort of, like, walked in. so good. And uh, they got to get the right trash cans, because if they're in bear form, they might go through the trash or whatever. And so it's this bear neighborhood. Um, One bear shows up, and uh, it's almost intimidating, like, trying to intimidate, but it doesn't where uh, he's just investigating things and breaks a piece of the fence. (laughs) He's just like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't. I'm sorry. And he's just too, he's too big and he's just like too curious. Like all the bears are curious yeah. and just like break stuff on accident. It's <laughs> so great. I love it. The hockey team does come back uh, from your last book where Good. they really want Max and uh, Charlie to be on the hockey team because they can kick super amounts of ass. Yeah. And it's really funny. Oh, they, Charlie beats up uh, Marcella Malone, the weasel shifter, and uh, one of the people from the group. Ooh. Uh, at the at the same time, single handedly, because she she feels like her sisters are being threatened. So it's this really great thing. Uh, I talk about it more in the blog post. Uh, yeah, go to the blog bibliovalcast.blogspot.com. But this is a book all about family and like how we are given some and how we make yeah. others. But the hockey team comes back, and both Charlie and Max are like, "No, I don't know how to skate. This is insane. Stop trying to put me on this thing." And it's really funny. There's like a fight going on. 
and the guy, the big Novikov or whatever, shows up and goes, yeah. "Do you do you know how to skate?" And she's like currently throttling somebody, and he's like, "Do you know how to skate?" What are you talking about? The hockey team. Do you want to be on it? <laughs> she's like in a fight. <laughs> she's like, no. Oh, it's so much fun. I can't even summarize all of the different pieces of it because it's just insanity. We see the dad a couple times. We see uh, uh, other pieces moving around the world. And then uh, nothing gets resolved fully except for the wedding thing. Uh, and I'm very excited to read the next book. You have to read this. It's okay. crazy. I the, will read it. The only problem is that it's too long. It is 450 pages long. I know no, you were... 417 You were really long. mad at first when I got you this book. It's but still too it long. Out well. Insanity is too... It's, it's too long for insanity. But yeah. it is... It is absolutely fantastic and i loved That's most so minutes funny. of it uh, i want to see if there's anything i forgot to talk about um i'm very proud of her shelly lawrenston hmm. oh charlie uh for out of nowhere they bring up watch uh watching pornography okay. and she mentions that she watches uh cartoon pornography because then she doesn't have to worry about mothers <laughs> like the fact that they're somebody's daughter oh no so she watches cartoon pornography. Uh, let's see here. Uh, someone says, a little duct tape will fix my bleeding. And <laughs> they go, you're not a headlight on an old Chevy. You need a doctor. <laughs> so good, like legitimate laugh out loud lines jokes, and everything. Yeah. Good jokes. Very, very happy with uh, hot and badgered, which is not a thing I thought I would say. No. Uh, so I can't, I can't wait till you read it. Well, I'm happy for you that you got to read your New one of favorite. your favorite books of yeah. 2018. Yeah. Going on the list. So okay i'll read it if you think i should read it i'll read it yeah um i think that is gonna do it for us at bibliobile for yeah. this episode in two weeks you're gonna we're going to be accompanied in recording by our little buddy yeah whose Who name is nick no my name is mick no what do you think his name's gonna be either brooks or finn <laughs> um so we are gonna see you later remember that we have a written uh blog as well online jesus that was a tough sentence we have written written book reports online at bibliovilecast.blogspot.com you can also follow us on twitter i am at susan j that's s with three u's s-a-n-j uh, my personal account is Mod D-I-C-K-I-M-A-A. And you can follow Bibliovile's account at Bibliovile. I managed to snag that one on Twitter, but I'm not sure on I'm sure it was Blogspot. really popular. Well. Um, the intro music to our podcast is Babe of the Night by the band Elixir off of their album Rampant. And our outro music is done by Michael Dean Dickinson himself. I have not put outro music on these episodes for uh, some time now. Well... <laughs> Maybe you can start. Okay. Maybe I'll inspire you. Maybe. So, uh, once again, thanks you, thanks you for listening, and I can't wait to see what night time or what was your time dark time do. What that dark time do? What though? that dark time do? Bye. Bye. See outro music. Good. This good outro music, man. Bye. Oh, bum bum.